It happened just this last week. I was the cause of it in one situation. But it also happened again this last week, and I was the person that was being asked. What am I talking about? I'm talking about somebody asking about knowing a doctor. You see, my wife also has the flu, so I called somebody in the medical profession, and I said, could you recommend a doctor she could go see? Because I don't know anybody around here that well, just in the Rochester Hills and Rochester area. And so they recommended we do that, don't we? Somebody calls us, a friend wants to know something, because the same thing happened to me later on in the week. A friend of mine's mother broke her ankle on the ice, and he called me and asked for a recommendation of somebody I knew in orthopedics because of all the situations we've gone through in our life. And so I recommended somebody to him. We do that, don't we? People ask all the time, do you know a doctor who can do this? Do you have any experience with somebody? And when it's somebody that is especially good, someone that we really trust, in fact, in my life, what really I admire the most out of a doctor and somebody I would recommend in a second is somebody who's a great diagnostician. Somebody who can not just look at the problem you're sending somebody for, but can go over their whole life and what's going on medically with them and tell them and adjust different things that happen. You know, wouldn't we do that for somebody that we know? Somebody that was sitting across the table from us that we could tell, hey, there's a problem going on in your life. What's wrong? I really need to find a doctor who can do this. Wouldn't you say in a heartbeat to them, I know somebody, you got to see this person they're really good. They helped me with this. They've helped friends of mine with this. Go and see them. We do that without any question. Not a problem. And yet, there's deeper problems that we deal with every day. Problems that we deal with and come in contact with, with people in our lives, that we sit across the table and we can look at them. We can see there's something wrong. And a lot of times, we don't ask. We don't say what's wrong. We don't want to know. What's wrong? We're not sure we want to get involved because, you know, involvement means it might take something of a commitment on our side. And yet each one of us sitting here this morning knows the greatest physician in the world, the physician who can heal not only the body, but who can heal the most important thing, the soul, who can touch lives and bring light where there is darkness and there is brokenness. You know, that's the situation we come on today as we look at this gospel, as we come upon the scriptures. We come upon Jesus, the great physician. It's a series we're going to start today and carry over through the next few weeks, looking at different miracles and the ways that Jesus healed. And today, Jesus, the great neurologist, somebody who's going to come upon someone who has a problem, who is paralyzed. There's a problem with the nerves working, whether it's the central nervous system or something else. But Jesus is going to diagnose today the problem. But more than just what's seen outwardly, he's going to diagnose a problem that he sees inwardly. Let's look at that for a moment. The scripture, it starts out a few days later when Jesus entered Capernaum. The people heard that he had come home. Now, so that you don't think that's a little strange, yes, Nazareth was, a, Nazareth was originally the hometown. He, the, how, the family's been relocated to Capernaum at this time. They have a house there. In fact, he's in his own house at this point, teaching. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. 
Remember in Luke's gospel when Jesus enters the synagogue to read on the day for the appointed reading, he reads from the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has appointed me to preach good news to the poor. Jesus was doing one of the things that he so wanted to do, to preach the good news to those who needed to hear it. And that was it. And the house was so crowded that the door was totally blocked. There was no way anybody could ever get into that situation. Everybody listening, hearing the words of Jesus. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there? What an incredible situation that must have been. Just hearing every word come out of his mouth in awe and wonder. And yet there's a group of people who can't get in, a group of people who are there for a different reason because they know that Jesus can heal. Jesus has been healing all over the countryside, even in his own hometown of Capernaum. Maybe they missed it the last time that Jesus was there. But they have a friend who has a need, a friend who is paralyzed, a friend who can't walk. Their friend matters to them so much that they are not going to let anything get in their way. They're going to go to any length to get him in front of Jesus the great physician. Wouldn't you do that for a friend? Would you let anything stop you if you had a friend who was sick and you knew somebody that could help them? I know from our own life, my sister, when she was about 14, broke her neck in a diving accident. And for 22 years then afterwards, she was a quadriplegic in a wheelchair, eventually succumbed to complications that come from that. If we had heard of somebody, if there was a doctor who could have done spinal cord regeneration, something like that, do you think that there would have been anything that would have impeded us going to find that person to get healing for her? Not in an instance. I don't care what it would. We would have sold everything to have that happen. That's these four friends of this guy. They're going to do anything they can. And so they go up on the roof. That's not unusual. There were stairways that led to the top of roofs. People often sat out there for a different spot, maybe in the cool of the evening. The roofs were constructed in such a way that you could get it through them easily. You could do that without a lot of damage to the people and stuff falling down on them below. So this is what they do. They make a hole. They dig a hole through the roof. They are going to get their friend in front of Jesus. And they lower the mat. And they put him down there. Can't you imagine that situation? Can't you imagine Jesus in the middle of teaching and all of a sudden down comes this man on a mat in front of him? Hmm. And Jesus looks at the man. And it's an interesting thing. He says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. See, it wasn't just the man lying there. He saw the faith of the friends, the friends who probably were inspired by this man who said, can you get me to Jesus, brothers? Can you help me get there? I want to see Jesus. And they did. Their faith was inspired by the man on the mat's faith who knew that this great physician could heal them. He could take care of the problem. And there he is. And Jesus looks at him. And isn't it interesting? what he says to him. Really, the word is even more tender than we find in this translation. He uses the word in Greek for a little child. He says, child, your sins are forgiven. You see, Jesus, the great physician, can see beyond the outward. He can see into the inward. He can see the result of maybe what this disease has done to this man. You know, diseases take their toll on us and can cause all sorts of damage inwardly that we never show to anyone. 
It can, we can have doubts and fears. We can rail against God and hate Him for leaving us in this situation. We can wonder and despise all the people around us and still paint on a picture on our faces outwardly that we're doing okay. We can get through it. Jesus knew what this man needed. Needed more than just the outward healing. Jesus knew that this man needed what he came to do. To preach good news to the poor. To bring the forgiveness of sins. To take care of those who are sick. To be that doctor. And so he says to him, your sins. Your sins are forgiven. Interesting, there's the little clique sitting around. The clique of the teachers of the law. The Pharisees who... Hear Jesus say this. Boy, they're quick. They're right on at the money. They're going to say, how can this man say this? He's blaspheming God. Only God can forgive sins. They're right. Only God can forgive sins. Problem is, they don't know who Jesus is. All they see in Jesus is a man. Remember what they said to him when they went to stone him and push him off a cliff one time. And Jesus said, for what of these acts do you condemn me? They said, for none of these, none of the things that you've done, but for you being a mere man have made yourself equal to God. You see, they couldn't see it. See, they only saw outwardly. They only saw this man teaching around them. They didn't see who he really was, the one who could forgive sins. Jesus knew it. He knew the way they thought. In his spirit, he could just sense that they were grumbling. You can see somebody's face when they're upset, making noises, probably looking at each other, just shaking their heads and all that. And so he says to them just a very simple statement, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. Well, here's the thing. Both of those require the power of God, don't they? See, Jesus can do either. They need to see that. But he needs to explain to them, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. The Son of Man. You know, Jesus used that term a lot. We hear it in the Gospels. It means something. It's a term that he uses of humility. A term that we would understand because what he's saying is this is what you see. You see one who looks like a human being. The Son of Man. But you need to know there's more than that. I'm more than that. That you may know that this Son of Man, the one that you see that you've already decided doesn't have the authority to do this, does have that authority. Now I'll show you the outward sign. The inward's already been done. His sins are forgiven. Now watch. Get up. Take your mat. Go home. And immediately, that's what happened. Wasn't a process. It didn't take like an hour. When Jesus speaks healing into somebody's life, when somebody comes in contact with Jesus Christ, life changes immediately. And so it did. And the man got up, took his mat, walked in front of everybody. All of them could see that the outward healing now had taken place. Proof that the inward, his first words, that his sins were forgiven had also taken place. And what were they? They were amazed. They had never seen anything like this before. Well, what about us? You know, we come here week after week, and we receive the forgiveness of sins from Jesus Christ, from His hand. He comes, He brings that healing to our lives. He puts hope in our lives and strength. We come in contact with Him. Life changes because of that. What about us? 
If we were sitting across from the table, like I said, with somebody who had an ailment and was looking for a doctor like that, we wouldn't hesitate. We'd know somebody or we'd know who to get them to. We'd make sure that they could get to a physician to heal them. But what about when it's that other problem in their life? What about when they're broken and they're empty? What about when life's taken a course and they don't know where to turn? And we can see it. Like I said, we don't want to ask what's wrong, but we know the person they need to go to. What is it that keeps us from talking to them? What is it we're afraid of? We know the person that can change their life. We know the one that can heal what really needs to be healed, who could bring hope and bring the forgiveness of sins. Why don't we do it? What stops us? And I think sometimes when we hear this, I think it's like we think about, well, I'm not somebody who can just go out and start talking about my faith to somebody. We're not talking about just go out. How many strangers walk up to you on the street and say, do you know a doctor? That's not what happens. You're talking to a friend. You're talking to somebody you know, somebody you have a relationship with already. And when they're in need, you reach out. You do. You care. Jesus gave us a command in his church, just like he gave that man. Three short commands. Get up, walk, take your mat. He gave us three. Go, forgive, and teach. It's called the Great Commission. We forgive by baptism. We teach his word. We go. Three simple commands that he's asked us to do. And he doesn't just leave us on our own. He gives us the power of his Holy Spirit. He gives us encouragement to fight against those things like, Lord, I I don't want to get involved. Lord, work in me to get involved. Lord, let me not just have eyes that don't see, but let me have eyes that see the people in need around me. Do we believe, though, That when somebody we know who does have a need, if we tell them they need to come to church with us, they need to hear the word, they need to know Jesus, do we believe that if they come in contact with Jesus, life will change for them? Are we people who are amazed every week to be in contact with Jesus Christ, to daily rise in forgiveness, to know that no matter what happens, nothing can snatch us out of our hands? Maybe in our lives it's an outward healing we would so like to have happen and it doesn't happen. But does Jesus still touch the inner parts of us? Does he still bring forgiveness? Does he still bring hope? Does he still bring life? Yes. You see, that's the great physician that we worship. The Savior of the world, the Son of Man who came, who has authority to forgive sins. Which of us would do that for a friend? What would stop us from doing that? If we knew the place that they needed to go, would we let anything stand in our way? May God's Holy Spirit work in us to do that. Give us that power. What is it that paralyzes us so often, that stops us from reaching out to somebody around us? We need out of the love and compassion that Jesus has, and he gives it to us. With this Holy Spirit, he works in our hearts. He gives us love to see, to touch, to change lives through him. May we be ever vigilant in that. May we see with those eyes. May we reach out just as easily as we would to give somebody help physically, to give them that help spiritually. Because I'm telling you, there are broken lives. There are painted on faces that look fine, but inside it's dead and it's empty and they're hoping to get through one more day And you can change that by bringing them, just like those friends, to Jesus.
Let's pray. Jesus, we are so grateful that you see not only the outward needs in our lives, but the inward needs. That you came into this world to forgive our sins, to touch the inner part with hope and with peace, with the light of your forgiveness. Lord, we are your hands and your feet in this world. Use us. Give us eyes of compassion, hearts that can reach out to others around us, that we can just tell them about you, to bring somebody, no matter what happens, to the one who is able to heal, who has that authority, the one that we sit and we are amazed at. We give you the praise and glory now and always. In your name, Jesus. Amen.